Aaron Rose, welcome to the second ever Borderline Raptors Emergency Pod. First, do you know what the first was? Do you have any idea? No. no. After OG hit that shot in the bubble. That was the first one. That was the first one. But this one, uh, you know, not as quite as exciting, but uh, maybe equally as important for the uh, long-term future of these Raptors. So here's what we're going to do. The big news, obviously, Pascal Spicy P no longer uh, in the 416, in the greater 416. He's gone to Indiana. Uh, so let's uh, let's break it down a little bit here. Why don't we start with uh, what do you like about this trade? I like that the Raptors have picked a direction. I think that's probably the biggest positive of this trade is that uh, you can say what you want, and I'm sure we will talk about how the last, let's say, 12 months have transpired since the trade deadline last year, this past offseason, and maybe there are things the Raptors could have done differently. But at the end of the day, uh, they didn't let Pascal Siakam walk for nothing. So that's a positive. Like they didn't fall into the Fred Van Vliet situation. And this team is now Pascal Siakam's team. Sorry, excuse me. This team is now Scotty oh, Barnes's team. I hope not. I hope not. <laughs> this team is now Scotty Barnes's team. And that as we move forward, they've picked a group of players that will fit around Scotty Barnes. And now there's no conversation about who's the number one guy, who's the number two guy or whatever. This is Scotty Barnes's team. And I think whether it was it was going to happen this way, whether he was going to walk in free agency, whether he was traded somewhere else, I think eventually this move had to happen. And I'd say that is a positive for this team moving forward. Listen, 100% agree. Direction being the biggest key to this, right? It's now, okay, we've cut the cord. There's no more sort of uh, pussyfooting around what we're doing. It's clear we are in rebuild. Maybe not as full rebuild as I was expecting. Like it's a full rebuild, but maybe not as uh, from the bottom as I thought we'd have to go to, to do it, which is uh, maybe a good thing. So maybe it gets better sooner based on this. Um, so I like I like that as well. I I like I like the idea. I like hearing three first round draft picks. I don't necessarily love finding out uh, that two of them are in this upcoming draft, which is, you know, going around, uh, you know, going, it's going around, but this is one of the weaker drafts in uh, recent history. So I don't love that, which means we are going to have to find a diamond in the rough, I think in, in one of these things, but uh, in one of these picks, but uh, it's interesting. Um, that that's what we ended up getting when all the talk last year was about OG for three first, but they weren't necessarily the first that you'd want. So, but here we we've sort of settled on on three first because it may have been the best we can we can do. Uh, all right, so I'm with you on this. Uh, what don't you like? And maybe I just led you into it. A lot. <laughs> Uh, yeah. You know, it, it, I don't like the way the Raptors have handled this. I would say I'd start with that, right? I don't oh, think, okay. I think right. that, you know, the Raptors put themselves in a position where Pascal Siakam had a lot of the leverage and was able to exert the agency that he has been entitled, completely entitled to exert whatever he wanted to, you know, it's his right to choose where he wants to go with so close to free agency. And it's his right not to say, I'm ready to sign an extension with anyone else. Like he doesn't have to say, you know, trade me wherever and I'm, I'm ready to sign long-term with Detroit, right? Like that's, that's not, the Raptors don't get to choose where he plays next um, if he's not on a long-term deal. Uh, and then I look at the return and Bruce Brown is, you know, a guy who is probably going to be a rotation player on a playoff team, but this Raptors team obviously isn't a playoff team. So I could see the Raptors trading him. Then they got two young guys, Jordan Noara and, and Kyra Lewis, Kira Lewis, who have done essentially nothing at the NBA level. Like they're young, but they haven't been rotation players and you know they haven't done wow. anything. Maybe that can change. I was sort of getting excited. And we talked about this on the trades that 
are now irrelevant, but like the guys I wanted from the Pacers were Aaron Neesmith, Obi Toppin. Uh, I was interested in Jalen Smith. Like those were the guys. And there was a report from Yahoo that some of those guys were being considered. The Pacers were considering moving those guys and the Raptors, you know, didn't get any of those three. So that kind of stinks. And then the other thing is, is the Raptors sort of go along here, but the Raptors, like said at last year's trade deadline, when they tr- acquired Yaka Pirtle for that first round pick, they were like, you know, they didn't overtly say this, but they kind of said like this year's draft sucks. And all yeah. the reporting has been this year's draft sucks. And now the Raptors have at least two late first round picks in this year's draft. They have a f- second round pick that it's almost a first round pick, right? Right at the beginning of the second round uh, from the Detroit Pistons. And maybe they have another first round pick, their own first round pick, uh, if it doesn't convey to the San Antonio Spurs this year. And you're looking at it as like, wow, now we have you know, maybe four first round picks in this year's draft and this year's draft stinks. So it's kind of, it's kind of weird that that's what they went after. They, they got these like two first round picks in a draft class that they told us isn't very good. Well, listen, that's the bigger, that's the bigger issue, right? Um, they're going to spin it. It'd be very interesting to see how they do, how they do spin it. Um, and unless there's more dominoes to fall here, which I'm actually thinking there might be, I, I'm, I'm going to assume we don't end up with all those picks. Uh, I think there's probably more to come. There's maybe, Something going to happen with Pirtle, with Gary, something where they're going to move some of this to 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 sort of rejig the jigsaw puzzle. So I I I will reserve uh, complete judgment on on that. But I agree on the surface, if we do end up with you know three or four, even three in this uh, in this draft, it's a complete one eighty from what we were being told, or certainly what was being reported about their feelings of this draft. And now here we are stuck with a bunch of picks in a mediocre draft that probably have less value. But to your point, I wasn't necessarily going to go down the path of this being a, um, uh, you know, sort of a um, report card on uh, senior management, but I guess it kind of is. And yeah, you just have to wonder if we had signed Siakam in the off season and still made this trade, what would Indiana been willing to give up knowing they had him under contract for, you know, four years basically on top of this. So that's the question. Did we completely mishandle the offseason in not re-signing him then to make him a a, a more valuable asset? I, I don't know how I don't know how that's not going to be the case. Um I, I think the hall is significantly different uh if he's under contract for four years going to these teams. So that yeah, I don't I don't love that. Listen, I don't love any of the players in return. So this is a stark contrast to the OG trade where we, it was sort of like we're going to get players in return that we like that can play immediately. We have none of that. I mean, Bruce Brown, obviously serviceable player, had a great playoff run last year, uh, but certainly not part of the future, I wouldn't think. Uh, it's a team option uh, to resign him. So, I mean, there's some leverage there, which is kind of nice. Like, So we'll have some cap space. We'll get a little bit more cap space. And I read an article earlier in The Athletic today about talking how if uh, a lot of this could end up having the Raptors under the uh, soft – uh, the soft cap, right? The soft tax bill cap. So they could they could maneuver here to be have uh, to be in, I guess, relatively good cap space under these new cap rules. So maybe that's part of the bigger play here too. Uh, and I'm, geez, I, I really hope it wasn't management saying get under or ownership saying get under um, get under that tax bill. So no, but but there's bad. a scenario here where like the Raptors get rid of Bruce Brown, like decline his option, trade him for expiring contract, sure. something like that, where they renounce the rights to to Jordan Noir and Kira Lewis and have something like thirty million dollars in cap space, and you know that doesn't shouldn't get Raptors fans super excited if if you know the track record of this team in free agency. But the Raptors also haven't been in a position 
where they've had a ton of cap space. Like I think they've only had cap space once in Masai Ujiri's entire tenure and they signed Damari Carroll. Obviously that deal didn't work out for the Raptors, but like he was a, a pretty valuable guy or considered a pretty valuable guy at the time. So maybe they go after somebody in free agency that's better than the kind of guys that they've had on mid-level exception or biannual exception so far. So you can look at this as as they got three first round picks and potentially they got $30 million in cap space if they if they choose to go that route. I just look at the picks and say like, it doesn't make a ton of sense considering what you did last year. And and I think we talked about what are the worst trades in Raptors history and that Yaka Bertle trade probably looks a little bit worse today uh, oh. than it did yesterday when we, when we were chatting about that. It looks worse every second uh, of every day and it's never going to get better. Uh, so and, I, actually, and- I have some numbers on that. Oh, so the Raptors right now are the sixth worst team in the NBA. They're not going to fall into the bottom five, right? They're not going to be worse than Washington. They're not going to be worse than Detroit or San Antonio or Charlotte or Portland, right? Those teams are not only terrible. Well, barring injuries, right? I mean, listen, you could make the argument. If if for whatever reason we got an injury to Scotty uh, and and shut him down and and maybe somebody else, I mean, you you could start to play pretty horrifically. We're we're not that far away from those. uh, I mean, certainly Detroit, yeah. Sure, but but first of all, you can catch them. Those teams will also do those things, right? Like, like yeah. Kate Cunningham's going to like, sure. you know, have a toe injury that ends his season for, you know, a yeah. month or whatever. Uh, or, or like LaMelo Ball is going to disappear and go to Cancun a little early. Like those things happen. And the Raptors could obviously try and do those things. But those teams also have a four and a half game lead, if you want to look at it as a lead. But they're four and a half games worse than the Raptors right now. So I don't see the Raptors falling into the bottom five. And then the team to look at is the Memphis Grizzlies, who are tied with the Raptors right now. But like, They've already said one, two, three, Cancun, right? Like John Morant's done for the year. Desmond Bain's gone for a while. Like other than yeah. them beating the the Warriors the other night, like they are running out a G League team. So sort of best case scenario, I think the Raptors have are the, are the sixth worst team in the league. And if that's the case, they have a 45.8% chance to keep that pick as a top six pick. That means that the uh, Spurs have like a, what is that? 44% or 54%, 54% chance. 54. I'm going to help you there. Right. 54% chance to get a pick that is seven, eight, nine, or 10, I think, which is pretty good if you're the San Antonio Spurs. Or I think more realistic, Memphis is worse than the Raptors going forward. And the Raptors have a 31.9% chance to keep that pick, which is even worse, which gives what you do the math here. What's 30? What, what's, what's the other side 69, of 31.9? 69. 69. There you, no, 68. 68. 68 point. Yeah. <laughs> so, 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 Memphis, so the Spurs would have a 68% chance uh, to get that, that pick. And, and again, that makes that trade look, look a little bit worse because now it's not going to be a play-in pick, right? The Raptors don't look like a play-in team right now. No, they, they certainly don't. And, but I mean, to that rationale, if we do get outside that six and it goes to San Antonio, I mean, it's probably the best thing for us now, right? If, we, if, if it is that shitty draft, I mean, let's just move on, give them that pick this year and hopefully get, I mean, cause you get, depending what we do in an off season, I mean, you could make an, you could make a pretty good argument right now that it's going to take this team at least a couple of years to get back into sort of playoff contention. Um, so I'm not, but also you know, like, actually, you don't want to go, you don't want to go five years with Scotty Barnes is like, you know, no. we're one of the worst teams in the no. league for the next five years. Trust the process, Scotty Burns. Yeah, no, no, I, I agree. You definitely don't want to be, we don't want to be in that space. So we can't be. So listen, uh, yeah, I think the, I think, however, the overriding takeaway from this is that now we know, now we know, and we just, and now we'll see what the, uh, uh, where the chips fall and what, what cards we were dealt in the draft. And then we'll know what, what we're dealing with the next three or four years, because unless we become a hotbed of uh, free agent, uh, Free agents wanting to come to Toronto, 
which I don't, which uh, seems unlikely. Uh, yeah, we're going to have to build from this draft and build from the middle and, and, and or actually build from the bottom now and, you know, and, and trust in Masai that he's got some more magic uh, in some of this stuff. So, yeah, it's, I mean, listen, it's a good news sort of, but it, it is a bit, when you think about big picture, it is a little daunting. It, it, this could be a, this could be a, uh, a tough, <laughs> tough couple of years uh, as far as uh, dialing in 82 games uh, to watch the Raptors. Yeah. Uh, but, but again, like, you know, to be positive for a moment, like Scotty Barnes has taken a significant step forward. And, and when you think about the kind of the questions we were talking about during our preseason pod, it was like, I was like, I don't know. Like, I think Scotty Barnes is going to be better, but I don't think he's going to be averaging 20 points per game. I'll put my hand up and say I was wrong about that, right? Like Scotty Barnes yeah. has, has taken a significant step forward and that now there's even more room for him to be sort of the go-to guy. And we were just talking about the last pod, like why are his numbers down because there's more mouths to feed? Well, you just lost a pretty big mouth to feed. So Scotty is going to step into that void. And, you know, I don't necessarily want to look at this as like, okay, now the Raptors are going to be rebuilding and trash for the next three years. I think you can look at it and say, okay, like this is Scotty Barnes's team and let's see what you can do. And now we got a manual quick. The Raptors have a manual quickly beside him. Maybe RJ Barrett has looked pretty good since this trade. You got a few pieces here and now you add, you know, maybe some interesting guys, or maybe you make a trade with those picks and, and add something else down the road. I don't think the Raptors are ready to have like a, uh, 76ers four year stretch where they're in the bottom of the league moving forward. Well, listen, in yeah, I'm sure that's MSI uh, has always preached that. Um, and people have always talked about, you know, careful what you wish for on rebuilds, which is, which is true. However, I mean, the formula is pretty, pretty straightforward here. You've got to put shooting on this team. We still don't have shooting on this team and we didn't acquire any shooting today. Right. And, you know, it's way too early to give up on Grady Dick, obviously. But if for whatever reason, he doesn't materialize into a, a playable uh, eight man rotation shooter. We are long ways away from because what Scotty's going to need around him, like LeBron, like uh, any any like Jordan when he had it, like any of these teams, when you have a superstar, you put shooting around it. Right. And we we have not done that. So uh, to me, and we didn't we certainly didn't trade for that today quickly, for sure. Upgrade on, on the shooting. Barrett's shooting great since he's been here, but that's that's not that's not a long term solution. So, uh, yeah, I mean, there, there are holes now. I mean, that's what my, my point is. I'm not sitting there going, hey, it's going to be a, a desperate times, but there are holes. And it's it's hard to imagine this being a, a 45 win team in the next two seasons. Yeah, we'll, we'll see like what the offseason brings, right? And sometimes you can look at those picks. And, and again, I don't see those picks being super valuable, but sometimes you can look at those picks as like trade chips, right? Maybe, you know, I'm just spitballing here, but maybe Carl Anthony Towns becomes available and you can trade, you know, Yaka Pirtle doesn't make sense there, but you can trade somebody and two, three first round picks for Carl Anthony Towns, or you can trade somebody and three first round picks for, um, Donovan Mitchell, like you can use those as like tokens for when you go shopping in the summer. And, and I, again, I don't think those are particularly valuable picks, a pick in the twenties this year, a pick probably in the late yeah, teens or whatever, not. but, but you can look at it as like, you're right. This isn't a complete team, but nobody was like looking at this team as, all right, here we go. We're ready to, we're ready to move forward, but you're taking steps in a direction. And I think what's been frustrating for Raptors fans. So for so long is like, what is the direction of this team? Well, today, and frankly, since the start of this month, since the OG and Anobi trade, I think we had a pretty good idea of, okay, this is the direction. And, and a yeah. direction is better, even if it's the wrong direction, a direction is kind of better than no direction. Well, listen, I'm, I'm a big believer. It's better to make change and be wrong than make no change at all. 
So there you go. And, and we are we're on that path potentially. All right, listen, last thing before we go. Where does our guy, Spicy P, because if you look back at his Raptors career, it's pretty impressive. Um, where does he where does he sit uh in, in Raptors lore and Raptors history uh from your perspective? I mean overall, it's a good, I mean, overall yeah, yeah. take. Like you know, it, it really depends on how, how you define certain things. But but if, if Kyle's number one, I think you could have Pascal as high as number two. And I think if he's not number two, he's probably in that conversation somewhere between two and five, right? Uh, there, he's probably doesn't have necessarily the peak, the best season, as good as maybe uh, Vince Carter, maybe even Demar Derozan. But I'd say his, his career, I think he's the only one to have two All NBA appearances in Raptors history. Well, on the team, of course, he's you know one of only a few guys to actually have a championship ring. He has the most improved player on his resume. He doesn't have the All Stars, but like. He has as many All NBAs as he has All Stars, and All NBA is far more prestigious than yep. than All Star. So, and I think, unfortunately for him, Demar gets the love deservingly so because he was here for the rise. Like it is way more fun being the the young guys on the rise toward a championship. But Pascal was here for the pinnacle of that, and it's unfortunate that he was here for the downfall. But that wasn't really his fault. Like he had that one great year, and it was mired in the end. It was mired by COVID, and I don't really blame him for that. And then he had some great seasons. Like frankly, he's gotten better almost every year since you know since he came into the NBA. Frankly, the problem is the Raptors just haven't had great teams around him. But that's not his fault. So. I, you know, again, I'd put Pascal as high as number two. And, and if you want, maybe after DeMar, maybe after Kawhi, who's always a weird one to have in this conversation, maybe after Vince. I think the memories of Vince, as we've talked about in the past, have changed. But uh, somewhere between two and five, probably. Yeah, I mean, listen, he's definitely top five. I mean, he won a championship. He was the third, the third wheel uh, and, and an important, I, I mean, I, not a, you know, you could probably make an argument between him and Kyle being second and third and that importance on that team, but he had a rock solid uh, run in 2019. And that was kind of his coming out party. And then 2020 hits with COVID. I mean, he was having an awesome season uh, until COVID hit. Something went wrong in the bubble for him, but that's um, whatever. Uh, the, the Tampa year uh, was okay, but then he was, you know, the last couple of years, he's yeah. I mean, you look at his stats, look at his numbers. I mean, he's in a small group of guys putting up, you know, 22, uh, six rebounds, five assists. Like that's, there aren't too many guys doing that. So yeah, he's definitely top five. We'll have to revisit this at some stage. We'll maybe one of our lists we'll do, uh, uh, we'll top 10 Raptors, but yeah, I, I mean, I'm listen, I, I put quiet one, uh, that's because, fair, but just different I, way I really, of looking at it, but that's fair. Yeah, I, I put quiet, but body of work stuff, but we were going pure, just body work over, over a period of time. Yeah, then Kawhi's probably not one, but yeah, he's definitely under any, any under any sort of uh, grading system or criteria, he's absolutely you know, a top five all time Raptor. He he supersedes a McGrady, he supersedes a Bosch. The Carter thing might be interesting whether or not he would bump Carter out of five and him into five, but uh, or bump somebody. Out of, so I don't know, but yeah, listen, I think it was a great run, uh, and, and I think a lot of fans because of the way he got better at basically every year that they were like ready for this guy to become a true NBA number one. Like he, he, he was on a team with Kawhi Leonard and it was like, okay, are you the next yeah. Kawhi Leonard? Are you the next LeBron James? And he like, he was on that path, right? Like it was like, is he going to, he, he, he was a, a role player, then a starter and then, you know, an all NBA guy. And it was like, okay, can you go from top 15 player to top five player? 
And unfortunately in the NBA, like we love these storylines and we love the rise, but when you don't hit that level, it's like, uh, you know, and I think the fact that he was never a number one, I think has, has made Raptors fans maybe love him less than he should be. But like, if you're holding everyone to like, are you going to be the number one guy on a championship team? Then those are unreasonable expectations. Yeah. I was just going to jump in and say the same thing. I mean, what we're all going to figure out here, myself included, right. Uh, careful what you wish for. Um, you don't know what you have till it's gone. Cause it is going to be one of those things with him, right? We're going to look back and go, Oh, actually, you know what? 22, six and five a night was pretty nice. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's the problem. If you ever start to, if you ever start to think of uh, your best players as being top five guys in the league who can take you to a championship, well, that those are unrealistic expectations for, you know, probably other than maybe eight to 10 guys in the entire league. Um, so uh, yeah, and it's, and it's and it's a warning for for Scotty Barnes. Like this rise with yeah. Scotty Barnes is going to be awesome. But I just hope that like either it would be incredible if he be, does become one of those top five guys who leads this team to a championship and yeah, is in, on so. the same level as Luka Doncic. But if that doesn't happen, because like the safe money is on it, probably not happening because you know there's only five guys who can ever be the top five player in the league on, at any given year even or whatever, top 10. even top ten, right? Like it's really really hard to get yeah. in that level, and it would be yeah. incredible if Scotty does it. But I hope that if he doesn't get it and is like an exceptional number two. That like Raptors fans don't say, okay, well he was never no, good I, enough, right? That know, would be I, ridiculous. I think the championship uh, hurt Siakam from that standpoint, right? I really do. I think that sort of like it set the expectation that we're now we're winning championships and he's going to be the guy and he can like and he can take us and he's an All NBA. I don't think Sky's going to have that same sort of um, demands pressure uh, put on him. But I do think people will continue to expect to see him go. So anyways, listen, let's, let's wrap up. Producer John's got to get out of here. He's got a hard stop. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't know any, listen, I, I've got a, what drives you. I've got a last second. What drives you? If you if you can want to throw, uh, if you want to throw one in, but if not, do you have any parting, parting words? Just, no, no, I, I like what you said. Uh, appreciate what Pascal Siakam did for this organization. I think he always got better. I don't think the Raptors necessarily treated him properly on the way out. And I think, what did you say? Uh, you know, remember what you had or, or be grateful for what you had. So I think that's probably you the way to remember Pascal Siakam. You don't know have till it's gone. Aaron. Yeah, there you go. That, that, that covers a lot of spectrums, that statement. Yeah, it could be anything. Uh, listen, uh, I hear you. Uh, the only thing I'm going to say, a quick what drives, uh, I cannot believe I did not do this right after the pod last night. We talked about the Raptors in game or in season uh, win total. I said I was going to go bet the under. I looked at it. And I didn't do it. 36 and a half. I don't even know what it's at now, but it ain't 36 and a half. I guarantee you that. And what pisses me off even more is that listener Brock does have the under at 36 and a half. So, you know what? It's a tough day. Tough day for me. Tough day. All right. Listen, Aaron, right. Thank you. Uh, enjoy the game tonight with the uh, Heat in town. With our, what are we going to address? Uh, who we got tonight? Javon Freeman Liberty's up. Oh, beautiful. What about uh, uh, Marquise well, Noel? He is not. Yeah. What about Marquise? No, he's not. No, no unlucky. No, okay, because I'm guessing the uh, the end of the bench might see some minutes tonight. You're probably right. right. Probably. Right. All right, Aaron. Enjoy the game. We'll see you. We'll see you when we see you. Take it away, Kawhi. Oh, you jumped in. Thank you. Kawhi up top. Looks at the clock. Turns the corner for the win.